It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the ball. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 48 of the Back Check. Brendan and Stefan here, as always. We got a jam-packed episode today because of what happened with the you know Carolina Hurricanes, Montreal Canadiens. We got the NHL players officially going to the Olympics, but we also had a heck of a 24-hour weekend stretch there where Stefan and myself participated in the Hockey Helps Marathon. It was just an absolute blast for both of us. I know Stefan had a, his first experience playing out, which we'll get into. It was an awesome time to be around, uh, especially with the guys that were at that facility in Dix Hills. So just a great weekend overall. But before we dive into all the hockey stuff, I did want to ask. So I just had a bowl of cereal. Yeah. And I'm sitting here, right? And usually I like to let it sit in the milk. And I like when my, my cereal is a little soggier. So is, am I weird for that? Or do you, do you have the same thing? Soggy all the way. Okay. It's got to sit for about 45 to a minute, and then that, then you could taste it, and then, but you need to be you know soft. Because I know there's some people that like the crunch. That, to me, that's just weird, man. I like it a little softer. Maybe well, I have I to look at teeth. Well, I know people that don't eat cereal with milk. They just eat it in a bowl dry. The only way I will do that, and I've done that, will be if I put like a banana, I cut a banana and put it in. That's because I'm not mixing that crap with milk. That's just nasty. See, I won't do anything dry. To me, that's just like eating bread, and I hate bread. So Yeah, it's wheat. Uh, You're eating I, straight I can't, wheat. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. But I just wanted to clarify that I'm not a weirdo for you know letting this, the cereal get a little soggier. So, on to hockey. First of all, how does it feel being now an official goal scorer? And do you have any more respect for uh, what we do on, on the other side of the puck? 
Well, first off, I got to give you guys a lot of credit because my back right now is killing me. It was a great time, and I don't think I had – I had a ton of fun, but I'm going to stick in goal, I think. I think that's what's best for me in my career. But, uh, yeah, I mean, scoring a goal, you know, getting that taste of what it's like, celebrating. I had a six cell. Yeah, I know if I went with like a couple of celebrations because I had to get out of my system. No, it was really cool. Uh, definitely give you a lot of credit for my goal-wise. Got to credit my teammates, even though I did everything on that play. I drew the penalty, got the penalty shot, and then scored myself going, Gino top shelf top uh but scoring would have been very proud of me it was very slow because again never that's probably my third or fourth time ever shooting a puck with a with a forward stick so it was really really interesting but i came down nothing crazy just said you know what? i'm gonna go top corner i don't know how my body was able to make that happen but it did and the rest is history i was so happy i put my arms in the air people were selling and it's on a gopro video which is awesome as well so that that was one of the highlights for me. Obviously, the Lundquist stick, which we'll talk about in a little bit, was another one. But first of all, when we got there, right, we really didn't know what to expect. You weren't planning on playing. You know, you were planning on just taking some pictures, just hanging out with us. I was nervous as all hell because I hadn't played an ice game in about four years. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God, are these guys going to be flying around me? And I did get walked, which I know you have on video. I'll admit oh, it. Oh, I do. There's no, there was no hitting. Okay, so it's it's half a walk. But – uh, after that game, I kind of started feeling a little more comfortable, and it, it was awesome. I mean, just the first game, all the guys were there. I think every single pro was there. We were playing against Graves and Orr. Uh, we had Langdon and Ben Wahoga, I think, was on our team as well. But Mullins so, was playing. Mullins was playing. So just awesome guys. Like, I'm sitting there having a pass with Langdon and, and Mateau before the game. Mateau's chirping everybody. Kerry Frazier's on the bench. You know, he refed a couple of periods. So just so cool to be around and we have some clips from that first game courtesy of of you and your your videography skills that we're going to be putting out on social media soon too so that was that that was awesome and i'm sure you guys are going to enjoy those clips when they come out yeah well first off kerry fraser is hysterical and he's a walking storyteller everything out of his mouth is something that happened to him and we'll get into it a little bit later but he was the last ref right the last ref ever to not have to wear a helmet was, yep. And, uh, I mean, he still could skate, which is cra- oh, These guys, first off, all these pros, they make the most perfect plays every time. Stick to tape every single time their skating is. I mean, Benoit Hogue skating, I was like, oh, my God. What is he, 60, 50, maybe late 50s? I don't know. But so smooth walking around people that he has no business walking around. And these are, you know, college players. And he's like, yep, I'm just going to go around you. I'm just going to go around there. It was just an unreal experience because most of – people our age didn't really get to watch any of those guys play you hear the stories like adam graves obviously with the rangers Matteo, Matteo. We, we all know that and then you're watching them now as they're older and they still got it and it's like just the, the iq not even their ability just they knew when to make every play they made and it was just and they had a great time too and it, it looks so easy for them obviously they, they played in the in the nhl but just watching everybody like brendan watching you getting to play with Matteo, sitting next to him i mean seeing graves like that must have been a crazy experience as a ranger fan yeah so i mean graves was an or were the only two that i actually watched play for the rangers but obviously we all know mateau right i've seen that goal about 450 times even though i wasn't alive for it and i mean that whole experience just forget the playing aspect just talking to them and you know them not obviously they know that we're all kind of in awe because we all watch them but they're just having normal conversations with you they're including you and everything and I think the most surreal moment was well, there was two. The first was the first game. Stefan Mateau gave me a pass, tape to tape. I caught it, but just the amount of strength that I had to put onto my stick 
because of how hard that he's passing the puck. I'm like, that's that's absurd, first of all, because, you know, I'm used to just being able to catch it and strike. Oh, but these guys have a different level of strength on their stick. And then the other one was just playing defense for a whole 20 minutes with Adam Graves. He was just my D partner. I'm like, this is never, ever going to happen again. So it was just awesome to to have that experience, especially as a Rangers fan. So, I mean, people that were there that weren't even playing were, were still encompassed in all of it. And it was a great great experience for all of us so really thankful to Tolik, Altronite, all of them that that were there and Alfonso too came in that was that was fun to meet him so we got uh, just an awesome weekend awesome 24 hours not a lot of sleep but a lot of hockey yeah I mean our group you know we didn't, we didn't win many games we did win the last game courtesy of three former players on our team to help us out a little bit but uh great Cooper guys that were in our, our locker room I mean I'm not going to go through everyone's names but we were just chatting in the parking lot you know drinking a little bit of beers stories it's just every everyone that we came into contact had stories about who they met because you know this this tournament's been going on for a couple years now i think this is what the eighth year or seventh year yep. they've been doing it and these guys all go back every year and we're hopefully me and brendan will be back next year because this is ins- amazing i would do this every single year build that you know relationship with these former players because i mean even talking like, like colton or right everyone was terrified of colton or obviously he's an enforcer in the nhl down-to-earth guy, awesome guy. He took pictures with all of us, put me in a headlock. I posted that to social media. Got some cool pics of him. I mean, everyone forgets, like, just because you're an enforcer, doesn't. Th- this guy's an unreal skill. I know I'll post a couple of pictures as well of him dangling, making people look silly. I mean, he's an unreal talent. They were all just down-to-earth people. And we realized that from getting guys on our show and just playing hockey. The hockey world and former NHLers, they're all just down-to-earth people. I know, yeah, you'll hear about players, oh, they're super cocky. I mean, everyone at this organization, at uh, this event, excuse me, down to earth, willing to take as many pictures as possible, talking to kids, talking to anyone. They didn't, doesn't matter. And then sharing stories, and we'll get into our Fraser story right now because, again, the guy's just a walking legend, or skating legend, whatever. He was telling a story about a Nordic's game, and he had made a call two years prior, disallowed a goal that cost them a win. And two years later, he's walking out of that arena, him and his line mate, and he gets jumped, essentially by a couple of guys. One guy's got a knife. And again, this is back when there was no security. He said it was negative 25 degrees outside coming out of the arena, and he's surrounded. They're back to back. And all of a sudden, Fraser takes out his uh, his ice skates, holds him by you know the skate blade, and goes, you're going to effing die. To one guy goes, your guys are probably going to get me but I'm going to make sure you bleed out. Something along the lines. I have the exact video. So the guy backed off and he walked away, but he said, just, just things like that. Like, that's crazy. He was about He was, he said he was full ready to kill this guy. He was just take him out. I mean, he was telling stories. I think about Ray Borg taking a slap shot off his foot or something. Like, I mean, just the stories were crazy. Matteau, Matteau was chirping everyone, making fun of our whole team for missing plays, going off sides. One guy on our team, I remember he was, uh, he goes up to Matt Toe and goes, hey, we followed each other on Facebook, but you unfollowed me. And he goes, I, I unfollowed you? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, catch a pass. Maybe I'll follow you back or something like that. <laughs> and just It was just funny funny moments. Like he kept saying, guys, the pucks, it's not a grenade. It's not a grenade. <laughs> catch it. Because we, we bobbled a lot of passes. And obviously, they're not going to get frustrated. They know they know the talent level there. I know they were definitely rolling their eyes at some plays, though. I know, Brendan, you got walked a couple of times. It's great. Uh, uh, once. A couple Twice. of times. Twice. No, the second time I defended it. I Let, let's know. calm down. I knocked the puck right off the guy's stick. It's much harder to defend when there's guys that have some type of skill and you're not allowed to hit them. And 
I mean, there was really not supposed to be slap shots, and you're not obviously going to check people in a charity tournament. So it is harder. The first kid got me because I tried to just poke it off his stick, and um, normally I'd take his body, but whatever. But you go back to the Fraser story, yeah. right? And you were talking about the Nordique one, which is wild. But the Raymond Bork one that he was talking about, first of all, what a name drop, right? He's just casually <laughs> talking about Ray Bork. Uh, and, and he said that he, one of the classiest players of all time, that he would tell him if he was going to do something that might like endanger him. Like he said, at the end of a period, he went up to Frazier and told him, hey, backskate away the other way because I'm going to rip a slap shot if he wins it straight back. And sure enough, Puck got one back. Frazier went that way, and he ripped his slap shot. And then he would say that if he was in a bad situation and Raymond Bork had the puck on the point and was going to wind up, that he would pick his head up first. And if he saw him there, he would pump fake. And he did a couple of pump fakes, and then eventually he would shoot once he saw that Frazier was out of the way. Because remember, these guys, the refs really don't have equipment on, and uh, him is not wearing a helmet. So if he gets clocked by a Raymond Bork slap shot, that, that's going to leave its mark. So just like little intricacies to the game that as fans or people that are watching through a TV or in the stands, we're not going to pick up on. And it's pretty cool just to hear the... I guess constant communication that not only the players have with each other on the ice, but that they have with the officials as well. Officials are the heart and soul of, of what's going on on the ice, right? They're in every scrum. They're in talking to all these players, talking to the coaching staff. So they have some crazy stories as well, man. It's awesome to hear. Yeah. I did. I did ask him what his definition of goalie interference was. (laughs) And, um, he said he's not too happy with what goes on in the NHL today with just how, how close it is. But he said there's some goalies that manipulate it where they lock their pad or their skate with the defender to draw it. But he said pretty much if it impedes a goal going in, it's goal interference. He said the biggest problem is consistency. He goes, he doesn't really care what they're going to call. He said, but just make sure if that's not if that's goal interference, then every play like that is goal interference. He said, as long as it's consistent, he's okay with it. And again, he was at reft at a time when there was no review. If you made a bad call, the bench would know about it. They'd everyone complain, but there was no, no going back and reviewing it. So it's got to be weird for officials that ref back then to look now and go, "Wow, like you can make a mistake and they can overturn it, and it's like that." But I mean, Kerry Fraser is one of the best referees of all time, and yeah, every ref makes bad calls. But he he was like just always happy. He was happy to tell stories. He was just always smiling. I know I took a ton of pictures of him just laughing, cracking up, making faces. I just just um, unreal guy, and I mean. Never ever thought we would get to meet someone like that. We show up like, oh, look at those players. Oh my God, Frazier's reffing. Like, why? Why is he reffing a charity? We were almost as starstruck to meet Frazier, and the flow is still immaculate. By the way, that has not changed at all. Somebody asked him. uh, Somebody asked him what he puts in his hair, and he said, uh, uh, "It wasn't hairspray or something else. Something just like a little bit of something." And that's a hairstylist. Yeah. Oh God, now I'm blanking on it too because I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Do, 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 do. I forgot what it's called they put in his hair. But um, it, it wasn't hairspray or gel. It was another word. So it was, an, was it moose? No. Oh, my God. See, now you're putting us on the spot. You should have just skipped the story. What, what does Carrie Frazier... It was something by Paul Mitchell. ...put in his hair? You think Google knows? Carrie Frazier... Well, that's definitely not it. No, it was something by Paul Mitchell. Paul Mitchell. Was it tea tree shampoo? No, no, it was something freeze. Let's see. 
Freeze and shine. That's what he said. Freeze and shine. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Mitchell, freeze and shine. <laughs> Goes works <laughs> like a charm. Jeez. Oh, I mean, we obviously were starstruck, and we can go over all the stories we want, but. You know, I have the videos. Hopefully, we get there's a Frazier one out there, like the one I told you about, the Nordiques one. Uh, I mean, Matteo was talking about how also that security. So yes, Frazier, because I got them both talking on the bench, and yes, Frazier goes, "Did you report that Nordiques incident?" And he goes, "Yep." He goes, "Then then that's when they started putting more placements in place." He said when Wayne Gretzky, when Matteo played with Gretzky, and said when Gretzky used to leave the training facility to go to the arena, wherever he left, two trainers would always be by his side as bodyguards. Everywhere he went, he had two trainers when he left the rink. Again, because back then, I mean, you could go, you could run in the rink, you could jump onto the rink when you want a Stanley Cup. Nowadays, you get attacked. No, well, first off, no one would even do that. No. Security measures now, I, I mean, just going to games, right? The amount yeah. of security you have to go through. And yeah. then after it, right, you're not even allowed to take pictures anymore in that lower bowl. Like, they're trying to escort you out. So I can't imagine back then when people were had the free reign, like, uh, one of the instances that always comes to my mind, right? The Hank Aaron home run when he broke the record. The fans are running around the bases with him. Yeah. If you tried to do that now, you'd have 75 people trying to tag you at the same time. So it's just it's a different day and age. And obviously those stories probably are a lot uh, fewer and far in between at this stage. And they probably have more to do with not necessarily in the arena or outside the arena, but like just being out and about and around the town and somebody recognizing you and having a problem with you. But for those stories like Frazier was telling, you know, Mateau was telling, I mean, I don't know how many players nowadays have anything similar to that. And kind of thankfully, right? I mean, you don't want to see anything bad happen to anybody, but just a crazy story to have. And uh, you won something this weekend, Brendan, that you didn't think you were going to win. And a little stunned us when we were on the rink. And all of a sudden, Alfonso comes in and goes, yo, Brendan, you won the uh, Lundquist autographed stick. And you were like, are you, are you effing kidding me? He goes, no, <laughs> I'm dead serious. And... You did, in fact, win the stick. Well, we were talking about it. So we I bought, was this, I think it was seven raffle tickets. Yeah. And I put two into the Lunkus one, put two into a Graves and Leech sign stick, and then I kind of spread the other three around. And I looked at you, and I was like, if I win this stick, man, I'm going to go crazy. Because I, yeah. I really didn't think that this was even a possibility. You know how many raffles I've entered in my life that I've just never even remotely come close to winning anything? Like so every we, raffle? Every raffle. So we, we played at 8 a.m. We actually got our first win. Right? It, was, it was a fun game. We're in the locker room. Everyone's chatting, talking. We're saying our goodbyes because this is the end of the tournament now. And he did run in, says it, and I'm like, I did not believe him. I thought he was just messing around with me. And when I got out there and I saw my name on it, I was like, no way. And of course, dude, that's, that's now going to go up my wall somewhere. I got to figure out a spot, figure out how to hang it up, but just – unreal man especially now like if this was two three years ago i would have been ecstatic but now that he's officially retired and uh, i was five days ago looking online at fanatics trying to buy something so i'm very happy i did not do that because that would have hurt my wallet uh yeah i think it would have hurt your wallet a lot more than a free henrik well not free you bought the wrap but it goes to a good cause another cool thing too was sled hockey they did some sled hockey tournaments there as well and uh so I played sled hockey, and when I played varsity ice, we did a charity thing. Wounded Warriors, our head coach, was really adamant about helping veterans, and of course, why not? And so we did a charity tournament where they put us against a really good team, and we had, obviously, we're all on sleds. I'm a goalie. They put me on a sled. It is unreal. First off, the upper body strength you need to play that sport, 
But there are guys deking and dangling on these sleds and then roofing the puck. And I'm just looking and I'm in awe of these guys. I know a lot of them, whether they're dis- disabled from war, born with disabilities. I mean, hockey is truly for everyone and you could find a way to play. And for the kids that were going on the rink and the guys, you saw them come off the come out of their cars in the wheelchairs and they go on the ice and they're just loving life, living life, scoring goals. And it's really cool because not many people have ever played sled hockey unless you're in that situation. I got to do it. It was very fortunate. It was a lot of fun. But the talent you need to be able to play. I mean, that's not like a, oh, you can't play hockey you go on a sled. Sled hockey to me is significantly harder than playing any hockey I've ever played. Sled hockey, when we were watching it, yeah, unreal how they do it. I don't know how they they can control themselves and the puck at the same time. How the goalies are moving around, making saves. So I give them so much credit. It was cool to watch too, just seeing you know them mess around, having fun. But I don't know if I'd be able to do that. They just the upper body strength they got to have is crazy. Upper body, and I was in goal, and I was I had a had a glove, a blocker, and then I had the sled, and. All I could do was just go into butterfly, uh, go into excuse me, stacking the pads and laying sideways because I didn't know how to move around, and they were just roofing it on me every time. So, I mean, I give a ton of credit. And again, hockey is truly for everyone. And this this just tournament was just it's one of those things that you never you can't really. There's no expectations going into it. We knew we'd meet some of the guys, the former players, but nothing would have gotten us ready for the weekend that we would have had. We did lose a lot. We got blown out a lot, but. It was just fun, and again, I'd never played out before, and that was an experience in itself because, again, I got to score a goal, Brendan, and I'll you, never forget that moment. You and did. I, and that, now I know I could do anything I ever want to do in my life. The sky <laughs> is truly the limit. When you could go, when you could roof a puck in ice hockey in a charity tournament on a penalty shot, after never playing before, I really, I could do. Anything. I'm going to become the next president of the United States. That's it. I'm doing it. And you were inspired by a hockey helps marathon penalty shot goal. Yeah, I d- was in fact tripped. It is on video. I did not dive. I was I tripped because I tried to deke. And I again, I don't really know why I tried to deke because again, I could barely do anything with the puck. Let alone, so I tried to deke and it, it worked. It really worked out. Uh, when they said penalty shot, once I fell, right? I go, oh God, I'm about to get a penalty shot. <laughs> and everyone, the ref goes, penalty shot. And I just froze. In my head, I was saying two things. Don't fall down and don't lose the puck. Because that would just be an embarrassment itself. So I get ready to go. First stride, awful. The puck's like two feet ahead of me. I go, scurry over to get it. Coming in on goal, I'm thinking, okay, if I try to deke, I'm just going to embarrass myself. So let me just try to shoot this thing. Head down, look at the puck, look at the goalie. He's dropped. I said, okay, there's a little bit of room there. Let's see what happens. Flick. Goal, blacked out. Get to the bench. Everyone's hugging me. rest is history. Uh, I was I was selling so hard on the bench too, because once I saw the trip, I was like, "No way, this kid's about to get a penalty shot, right?" And then you finished it too. We were talking about it because it was a goalie. They they would switch goalies uh, in yeah. between, so you would pay. It was like two twenty two minute periods. So for the first twenty two minutes, that goalie was our goalie, and then they switched. And I was, the, they actually had a penalty shot on him, and the kid scored high glove. And I was like, you know what? If I had a penalty shot, I'd probably do the same thing. Like. He looked like he was going to drop a little bit early, and then Stefan gets one and does high glove. And I was like, boy, kid, way to go. Way to bury down. But, I mean, just a lot a lot of, of fun going out there playing. And like you said, we lost a ton. But who cares, man? Like, we were just having fun. We were talking on the bench. The guys that we met, we met everyone there for the first time. And just by the end of it, we were all just hanging out, talking, like we'd known each other for a while. So it was kind of cool, just that whole experience of meeting new people, and having a blast, man. It was awesome. 
Yeah, and everyone, thanks to everyone. I mean, we don't know anyone who donated the, uh, you know, autograph stuff. The Barzo- there was a Barzal jersey, sticks, pucks. I mean, everything. There was a basket of 100 singles with, uh, I think, a Dunkin' Donuts or something. Whatever. Whoever wanted to donate a 100 single-dollar bills, thank you for that as well. I didn't win it, so that sucks for me. But, again, uh, all the awesome prizes, and it really was something that me and you will never forget. And next year, hopefully, we'll be back. I know the Mustache Classic is another tournament that Alternate's a part of that he wants us to be a part of. And that'd be fun to see those people as well. Um, Doug I'm Smith. I'm scared for that one. Doug Smith, who we had on our show many moons ago, the, the movie Goons based on his life. He participates in that. So getting to meet him in person will be really cool if we could do that. You know what that means, right? We had to grow mustaches. I know. I'm going to look like a little pedo. I don't, I don't know if I can grow it in. You had to say that. Uh, I don't. I can't grow. I mean, I could do my best. I'll donate to charity afterwards, my little scruffle here. But, I mean, if we get to do that, that's a blast as well, and we'll get all the footage for that and all the information. But, again, special shout-out to Talik Bortz, who runs Alternite. Alternite is a company that takes old jerseys and converts them into masks. Obviously, as COVID hopefully comes and goes, they won't be needed as much, but he also accepts donations of haku equipment. I know we did something with him. We got, like, 20 pallets worth of used haku equipment up to him where he lives in upstate New York, and they're going to donate that to a bunch of rinks. So... Please, guys, check out Alternite. Great company, great partner, and he has really, I mean, he invited us to this tournament, and we want to help give back as much as we can. So definitely check him out. We'll post a link to his website on our on our Twitter, and it's just a great, great foundation. He partners with Adam Graves, so it's a great foundation. When we get back from this commercial break, we got an offer sheet that wasn't matched, and now Jesperi Kaknaniemi is part of the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right, Brendan. So, it looked like there was revenge being played here when the Hurricanes decided to offer sheet uh, Montreal Canadiens forward Jesperi Kakaniemi for, what was it, $6.1 million plus a $20 signing bonus. And we all thought, okay, this is just the Carolina getting back at Montreal for offshooting Sebastian Ajo, who stayed with Carolina. But at the end of the day, Montreal Canadiens, their uh, GM Bergeron, decided that yeah, I'm not paying this guy $6.1 million. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Doesn't match it. So the question becomes, what was the plan here? <laughs> was the plan here just just put pressure on them and hopefully Montreal was going to match and that was going to be a funny thing? Or do they really expect to get this player? I know I know the Hurricanes had asked Montreal about that player, uh, Kakanami, and tried to trade for him leading up to it. But in fact, Montreal wasn't having it. So they said, you know what, let's offer sheet him. 
and they got it. I know there was an article today too. Let me just find it because uh, if you check out Boston Hockey Now, they had an article about this. A source told them, and I just want to make sure I get the, the wording right here. Close out some ads real quick. So, an NHL executive source confirmed to Boston Hockey Now and National Hockey Now that Dundon basically ordered Waddell to make the offer sheet to the 2018 third round overall pick. This was pure ego pleasure by an owner who had no idea what he was doing, the source said. So, the question is, is this good for Montreal or is this good for Carolina? It depends how you look at it, I guess. Uh, $6.1 million for Kakaniemi is something that he's probably not worth. So for a Montreal standpoint, that's good. But at the same time, you're losing a good young player. For Carolina, it's only one year at that value. But you're still going to have to hope he produces somewhere near that because that's a, that's a large chunk. And for a team that has moved on from so many good players because they're don't their their unwillingness to kind of pay that cap it a la Ducky Hamilton. Uh it seems like a little odd move for them. And it was definitely out of spite, but they do want Kakaniemi on that team. So I, I think that there is a lot more pressure on Carolina getting value out of Kakaniemi for that price tag. And people aren't going to be angry at Bergevin for not, you know, matching that because he did get a couple of picks out of it. And uh, so it's really a lose lose, I think, for both sides because he's not worth it but they get their revenge and their spite and they do add another good young forward to that mix. And for the Montreal Canadians, they lose a good young forward, but they don't have to spend that 6.1 and they could have some picks in the, in the cupboard for the future. And so, weird Montreal situation. makes a trade to counteract the loss of Cockney. I mean, as they get Christian Dvorak from the Arizona coyotes and for the coyotes, I mean, they're going to be, I don't know how well they're going to be. Dvorak was one of their bright young players. And I know, I can't pronounce his name. Who's a defender? C H U R Y. Jacob Chikrin. Chikrin. He posted a uh, crying emoji on Twitter. Obviously, we all assume it's about the loss of his teammate because no one likes to see people leave. And the thing about Dvorak, and I think they said it a couple of days ago, he bought a house in Arizona, and then he gets moved. So that's very unfortunate for him. I don't know how that that works financially to get compensated. Like, okay, I'm definitely not living in Arizona anymore. I'm going to Montreal, but. That's the stuff about hockey that you don't really hear about that that really sucks because at any at a drop of a ball, a drop of a puck, you can be on the move, your family's on the move, and you didn't have that planned out because I don't think he thought he was being. I don't think he's moved to Montreal unless Montreal doesn't match that offer sheet. Because if Montreal gets Cockney back, they have they're not going to go get Dvorak. I think that was a plan in place. They remember he took all the days needed to decide. He waited, so I'm assuming they already knew probably by a couple of days in. Okay, we're not going to match this. Let's work on getting Dvorak if, since we're not going to match it. And then after they, they declined the offer sheet, they said we're not going to match it. Dvorak was probably already in their back pocket. That trade was probably already worked out, so it probably didn't hurt as much because Dvorak's a great player and for Montreal. That's that's a great pickup. Yeah, he's he's a very good player. Not sure about great, but. He definitely has the ability to. He's twenty five. Yeah, he could he could fill that void. Like they didn't get a player that's significantly older. They got a player that still has some upside, but his upside is I would say a little lower than Kakaniemi's, and I think that he's closer to the age where he's going to fulfill it. So if he becomes an upside and a like sixty point player, say, is Kakaniemi's upside at sixty points or is it higher? Uh, we have to see. So in the end, I, I think that. Age purpose wise, you got to move. You'd rather have Cock and Yemi, but you got to make that move since they didn't have him, and they got a good. They, I would, I would say that out of the centers that were you know available after that first wave of initial signings, 
you're talking about probably the best center there, right? The only other one that you could really think of being available that might be somebody that could have filled that void is a Ryan Strom, but they're not going to pay Ryan Strom $6 million when they wouldn't pay Kakaniemi that. So to get to Vorak, I think he's at four and a half per. He's still under contract for a little bit longer term too. It, it makes sense. And they traded away two draft picks, I think two firsts, but they did get compensation back for Kakaniemi. So it's kind of like a wash for him. Arizona, we've seen these moves. They're acquiring older guys for picks, and they're trying to replenish that cupboard because of all the, you know, quote-unquote stupid things that they've done over the last two years. So they're in a a full rebuild. And for this move, Dvorak's going to be good. Not as good as Canadian fans are posting on Twitter about, but he'll be good. And uh, Coyotes have put in a – have talks with getting a new arena built. So that should be good. I thought they might leave because, uh, you know, they used to be the Phoenix Coyotes, but then the state had to buy them because no one else wanted to buy them. And now they're not being able to play. What do they play? The Gila River Center? I think that's where they play. Something like that. The Gila, yeah. River Center, yeah. So hopefully they get a new arena and Arizona gets their hockey to stay there. I know they're just waiting for Austin Matthews to become a free agent and then join them somehow because he's born in Arizona. I don't think that'll ever happen. Maybe when he's like 38 or 39, he'll sign there for a year, but... I think that's more wishful thinking. But for the Hurricanes, bad news today. Jake Gardner, he's out for the season. He will not play this year. He is having surgery on his hip and back. And that's brutal. He signed a long-term deal. Uh, excuse me, a four-year, $16.2 million deal back in 2019 before the 2019 season. He'll be on long-term injury reserve. I don't think he'll be pulling a Tampa Lightning uh, move here by coming back at the end of the season because... I mean, one of those injuries is it could be a season-ending injury, and now he has to deal with his back as well and the hip. So he's probably not going to play. Which means probably just more minutes for um, everyone's favorite, Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> everyone's favorite. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> kind of rattled me with that one. So they, <laughs> they, if they were to do a Tampa Bay Lightning thing and bring Gardner back for the postseason – I think that Gardner's impact is a little bit less than that of Nikita Kucherov. Uh, just, yeah, just a tad. Just, just a, a little bit. But, I mean, they still have – they got Ethan Bear. They had Ian Cole. You mentioned D'Angelo. Right? Uh, they got Brady Shea there still. They have Slavin. They have added Brendan Smith, Brett Pesci. Uh, it's an interesting blue line, I, I think, is the best way to say it because you don't really have a ton of guys there that, like a Dougie Hamilton, were able to carry that offensive load. I guess that's why they brought in D'Angelo, but you know what you're losing defensively. Like Dougie Hamilton was a true two-way number one defenseman in this league. So for them, it's a little bit of makeshift on the back end, and it's just all former Rangers for the most part. So we'll see what happens there. I I don't know if that means Brendan Smith now is going to get a, a more of an opportunity. If you're going to have to bump up Brady Shea, sure, but we've seen Brady Shea for New York Rangers fans for a little bit be a little li- liable on his own defensive end. Uh, it's, it's not as good as a blue line as they had over the last couple of years. Yeah, and Carolina, uh, sure. Carolina does open the season against the Islanders on October 14th. So, Islander fans not going against Jake Gardner. Well, who was the – was it Riley or Gardner when he was on the Leafs that got blown by – I think it was McDavid. Was that Gardner? Well, or was that no, Riley? that was Morgan Riley. That was Morgan, Morgan Riley is much better player than – than Jay Gardner is. Gardner is yeah. the one that for Toronto had a ton of postseason woes and like fans hated him there. He wound up going to Carolina and then had a pretty rough bubble stretch too. So 
maybe not as big of a loss as we're making it out to seem. But when you lose a Dougie Hamilton and the people that you're bringing in are not of that caliber, you're, you're going to feel it a little bit. Ryan Miller is going to coach for Team USA at the Olympics. That's kind of cool. I mean, is we he? know, yeah, he's going to be an assistant coach for, let's see, uh, assistant coach, da 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 da. John Hines, Todd Reardon, and Quinn are also on Sullivan's staff. Well, there I expect you go. Patrick Kane to get five minutes of ice time. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Miller, 41 years old. He has the most wins by a U.S. born goalie in NHL history 390, 286, and 86 with one tie. That's a ton of games. He played, I mean, Ryan Miller played for forever. So, yeah, I mean, remember when he was on Buffalo, it didn't matter how good Buffalo was. When he came to Nassau Coliseum, you knew it was going to be a tough night for the Islanders when he was in goal. But great to see that happen. You want to see former USA players. And I know, unfortunately, he is remembered for allowing the goal to Sidney Crosby in overtime, which was obviously a tough blow. But as a goalie, you're going to have moments like that. And you're going to have great moments as well. And he had a great career. And unfortunately, remember, I think it was this, was it this past year where he was a stark of crying after his last game and his parents are hugging him and that whole picture went, went viral. I mean, that's just, again, it's hockey, man. That's just a beautiful thing. And good for Ryan Miller. Good for him. You know, you know, um, Boyle signed a professional tryout with the Penguins. Brian Boyle. I saw that. Brian Boyle is just trying to make it his mission out to go to every team that Rangers fans hate the most since he's been a Ranger. I think he played for the Devils. He played for the Lightning. And now he's going to the Penguins. So just a matter of time before he suits up for the Flyers. Yeah, I mean, oh God, I hope not. He didn't play in the NHL last year, though, but he did play for um, Team USA in the 2021 IHF. I I. HF World Championship. He was the captain too. And he had three points, two goals and an assist in 10 games. And obviously he's a leader. The Penguins could sure use someone physical like that. The question is at 36, how how much can he play on a nightly basis? You know, we'll find that stuff out. But By the way, yeah. you look at these rosters, like the projected rosters for the Olympics. Oh, let's go over the Panarin there. I know you want to talk about that. Well, we can talk about it, but... I was more like you mentioned Ryan Miller and his Olympic, you know, he's known for that moment. Yeah. These goaltenders, uh, the trios that are going to be put together. First of all, I think the weakest one might actually be Canada, which is kind of crazy, but Russia is going to have Vasilevsky, Shesterkin and either Varlamov Sorokin. Like you could fill your Islander goaltender in there and you're probably going to have your trio. Right. Uh, I mean, you got USA is going to have, Hellebuck, Gibson, and then whoever the third goalie is there. Canada is probably going to have Price, Flurry, Bennington. That's what it looks like it, it might be. I mean, Finland's going to have a couple of good goaltenders. Like, I don't even think Antti Ranta is making the cut for Finland. Sweden always has goaltenders. Robin Leonard is a name that you're going to put there. Like, I, I feel like this Olympic Games has the ability to potentially be one of the best all-around tournaments that we've seen in a while for hockey. Like, I remember the the World Cup of Hockey when we have all those highlights when it was like young North American team. Yep. Like this, this kind of is starting to get reminiscent because of how long they've been away from playing there. I think if they missed two Olympics, so eight years now, all these guys that might have taken one off are going to want to go now, and we're going to see full loaded teams, and it's going to be pretty cool to watch. Well, we all love the Olympics. I know we talked about on the last show that you know, risk of injury. It's tough blow again with happened to Tavares um, a couple of years ago when he went to the Olympics and got hurt and was out for the rest of the season. I mean, like you said, you can get hurt any game during a regular season, but representing your country is such a big deal for a lot of players, especially I feel like more in Europe. 
you know, I guess because Europe, you don't if they're not NHL players, you see, you know, they they have the KHL, which is great, but they're not in the NHL yet. So to them, like playing for their country is just like that's the top of the world. And winning a gold, I mean, if you could put that on your hockey resume, that's just, I mean, that's the the epitome of being the best you can be. I mean, we talk about Panarin too. What was it that you were you were sharing on Twitter? Was it a projected? Oh, so Jay Fresh Hockey put out like it was yeah. a fan vote where the fans voted on their projected rosters for the teams, and for Russia, Panarin was at ninety eight percent selected, so he was behind like Svechnikov, he was behind Kucherov, and one other player. So, I, in my opinion, he's a hundred percent right. He should be a hundred percent selected, and I get the aspect of oh, will he want to go there? You know, will he play for them? Will they that whole thing? But it's it's a fan vote of who should be selected to the team. A hundred percent of the time, Panarin should be selected. Whether he plays is a different story. That that's what I was saying, and I'm pretty sure he went home. I'm pretty sure he was in Russia over the some of the off season. Oh, glad he's don't, okay. Don't quote me on that, but I know that he just returned back to New York. So I'm not sure where exactly he was, but knowing Panarin, I thought he was posting pictures playing in a league with Buchnevich over the the off season, and. I would assume that's in Russia, but could be wrong there. So uh, I don't know. I mean, if if they want if they want one of the best Russian players in the game playing on the Olympic team, then maybe they'll make an exception for Panarin. But if he doesn't feel safe, obviously he won't be playing. But if you have to make your best roster for Russia, his name's on the team. Uh, he has to be there. No ifs, ands, or buts. He has to be a part of that team. C- correct. That's what I was trying to say. I understand that there's, you know extenuating circumstances here but if you're doing a fan vote and you're picking your ideal roster how is Panarin on that team I mean I'm a point per game player I could play I'll switch my name to Stefan uh, what's I don't even know it's Russian Rosnarov anything anything in a OV at the end Rosnarov yeah Stefan Stefan Rosnarov my no my French Canadian name is Stefan Rosnier I've decided okay that's my French Canadian we'll rock with that yeah, the back check right. is uh, hosted by Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosnier. The amount of times I was called Stefan this weekend because my toe is there. I, I This is the first weekend where I didn't mind. My, and my name gets pronounced wrong every day of the week. doesn't matter what time it is. It gets pronounced wrong, which I get. But every everyone called me Stefan because they didn't really know me. So every time they said Stefan, I turned around. But they obviously were not talking to me. They were talking to my toe. Who, yeah. Do you know that? By the way, do you know that? Stefan Matteau's name is spelled S-T-E-P-H-A-N-E. His son, who played in the NHL for the Devils, I believe, for a little bit, his name is also Stefan Matteau. But it is not spelled the same way his dad is spelled. I'm pretty sure he spells it S-T-E-P-H-A-N. You got to look this up. Make sure I'm right. I'm looking it up right now. But I'm pretty sure he does not spell it the same way as You're correct. his son. It's, it's S-T-E-F-A-N. Oh, it's an F. So S-D-F-A-N is for Stefan Matteau's son, and he has S-T-E-P-H-A-N-E. Very interesting. I thought that was very interesting. He just wanted, he Americanized it. That's what I said. You know, Stefan's not really an American name. Well, it says he was, so his kid was born in Chicago. Yeah. So maybe he really did give him, like, the American spelling. Or maybe we're just spelling it the American way. It's the same thing with like Igor Shesterkin. Shesterkin's real last name is Shesty Shest Yorkin, like Y O R K. But yeah. they Americanized it by putting the E R K I N. So I wonder if that's just the American spelling of his first name. 
I don't know. I just thought it was very interesting that him and his dad are the same name, but it's spelled differently. I kind of like that though. That's that's unique. And I, instead of a junior. Yeah. Well, people probably say, "Oh, junior." He got probably got called junior all the time. He probably is. Imagine your dad being Stefan Matteo, same name, and you go in the NHL and you don't even do that much. Well, I always wondered that. Like, I wanted to ask people that because you talk about fathers being really good NHL players and their sons come and they're they're good hockey players, but they never really make that significant impact in the league. I wonder how much pressure you feel just oh. internally, let alone externally. I think you have a. I mean, obviously, I can't, I can't, I can't answer this, but um. I'm assuming you have a lot of pressure, but at the end of the day, you also realize like those genes. You you have those genes. Like you you might not be live up to the the same player that your dad or uncle was, but like that's part of you. Like Bobby Nystrom's kid, Eric Nystrom was a fighter. He fought and he played for Nashville for many years. I don't, he bounced around a little bit. You have Clark Gillies' nephew, Trevor Gillies, who I'm pretty sure got suspended from the age of for bashing someone's head against the ice. He was an enforcer. A lot of these guys became enforcers. Their just, sons. Maybe they just wanted to make that impact in the league, and they knew that their skill level wasn't that of their. Fathers, also, so I know route. some. I know some don't want to overshadow what they're like. They don't want to be the same type of player. I know Max Domi and Ty Domi. Ty Domi was a fighter. He's a good player, but he's also a fighter. Mm-hmm. Max Domi's physical as well, but maybe a little more, you know, skill. You look at things like that. You, the Kachucks. I mean, well, they're they're all Kachucks different. More replicate their fathers than exactly. But um, you look at like Martin Bordeaux's has a son who's a goalie. I got to think, like, goalies, if they have kids, you're probably getting a kid that's a goalie. Just because you could teach them, I mean, goaltending. Obviously, he hasn't had the success. He's not, I don't know, he's in the minors somewhere. But look like Ovechkin's kid right now. We talked about this the other day. We were talking in the locker room, I think, about this. Ovechkin's kid's a lefty. So that means he's not going to line up in the OV's spot for the power play. He'll be on the opposite side. But what did you say? You said you don't think he's going to be a player like that. No, I just based on what we're seeing, like the trends that even the couple of names that you just mentioned, I don't think you're going to see Ovechkin's kid, if he makes the league, become the same type of sniper and goal scorer that his father was. I think he's going to be more of a hard-nosed, grinding-type player. And based on Ovechkin's game, right, we all know he can score, but Ovechkin's a physical beast, man. He'll run you over, and I, I just feel like his kid is going to wind up being more of a net-front presence than a you know outside sniper. That that's just my my opinion. It'd be it'd be cool to see Backstrom's kid and Ovi's kid play against with each other, like in the NHL. And Ovechkin's kid is the passer, and assistman, and Backstrom's kid's the lethal sniper. That'd be that'd be crazy to watch. I mean, we're what fifteen, no nah, more than like twenty years away from seeing that happen. But that really, but that really could happen. And it's just um, but it is cool to see though, like. People stay in hockey over and over. The families, players. Oh, you find out like, oh god, that's someone's cousin. That's someone's nephew. They don't have the same last name, but that guy's related to that guy. And families really that are really good at hockey usually have family that stay involved in the sport. And again, we, I mean, you go back to this term. Like I said, Matteau's name sticks out just because I know his kid played for the Devils, and you know Matteau, the, the famous goal scorer we all know and love. It's like, yeah, that pressure of his kid now having to go to the NHL and make an impact, it doesn't. It didn't really work out really for him yet. I know his career is probably over at the NHL level. I don't think he'll ever get that big of a chance again. But it is it is cool to see. And uh, God forbid I have a kid and he's getting. I got to get him on the ice at like two years old. He needs as big of a head start as physically possible to even become remotely close to the talent of anyone I know. Because 
Again, I started ice hockey pretty late. I think you can take that when you watch the video of me scoring, which I will post because was it beautiful and graceful? No. Was it effective? Hell yes. Very effective. But I mean, I want my kid on the ice as soon as he can walk just because he needs to have as much. Do I want to live through him? Like I hear parents always talk about that. Like I have a friend whose dad pretty much forced him to play sports and it killed it. It, it wasn't enjoyable for him because his dad was like, you have to be this. You have to do that. I don't want to do that to my kid. But at the same time, I love hockey. I want my kid to play hockey. And I want my kid to be a scrub. I want him to be good at hockey. If I could help by getting him in the ice early and getting that to, you know, I could watch him just be sick to watch and have fun. That's all for it. But at the end of the day, though, it's about your kid having fun. And if McTell's kid, I guarantee you, if those players' kids didn't want to play hockey and didn't have a love for playing hockey, they're not playing hockey. I hear athletes talk about that all the time. They're like, yeah, I love this sport. Oh, are you going to make him play? No. What do you mean no? Well, if he doesn't like playing that sport, I'm not going to make him play that sport. We see that with football players and, oh, that their sons now play baseball. And we see it all the time. And that's just, again. They got to choose. Well, but you also can't. You have to be mentally willing to play to your best. I know when I was growing up, all I wanted to be was an NHL goalie. That was my, my game plan. But then when I chances to go on the ice and practice, I'd rather hang out with my friends. And looking back, it's like, all right. If I really wanted that, really wanted that dream, instead of hanging with my friends, I would have been on the ice. I would have been practicing more. I would have been working out. Instead of sitting on my couch watching a movie, I would have been in the backyard lifting weights and running and doing all that kind of stuff. And in my head, I was satisfied with, you know, you know what? I don't have the mental ability to, to do this. And if I want, if I had the mental ability, I would have done that. We know a lot of people that travel tournaments every weekend. They don't hang out with their friends growing up. They're at prep school at 16. A lot of sacrifice has to be done to get where those guys get to, to get to the NHL level, to get the minors. And I mean, they then, sacrifice it's not a, a lot. Exactly. So you have to be over 100% committed to it because, again, I wanted that dream for a while. And then I realized I'd rather be hanging out with my friends. I'd rather be, I don't want to just be doing hockey all the time. And I didn't want to make that sacrifice. Well, all those players do. And hopefully for a lot of them, they make those sacrifices and it pays off. But we realize in sports how hard it is to make it to the NHL and how hard it is to make it to the minors or play overseas. And it's like at the end of the day, though, they love playing the sport. All these guys that we played with this weekend, it was a 24-hour tournament. A couple guys were there for every single game during the whole tournament. They didn't get off the rink. They love the sport. Yeah, I played three games. My foot was screaming. I got to get those skates rebaked, man. Oh, God. That that was a tough sell. You know, my right foot is throbbing right now. I'm sore all over. I know you said your back's hurting. So I'm not sure necessarily if I have that brain capacity to to play that many games in that short when, time span. When does this pain go away, though? Because my back is killing me. I, I don't know. I've never experienced that. It's, that, just beginning- it's because you are, you're used to playing goaltender. So just your skating style. It'll go away in a couple of days. It's just sore. I'm going to sue the tournament. Can you move? Can I move? No, it hurt. I, know, I can move, but I feel like I have to like snap my... I need a back crack. Can you Can you drive over from your house 20 minutes away since you moved and just crack my back? No. <sighs> well, Turn around. Crack your back. <sighs> no, it's, it's just tight. It's just tight. And, I, and I'll get over it, but uh, I feel like I'm like the hunchback in Notre Dame right now just walking around my house. <laughs> All right. Well, Brendan, this was an awesome show. Like I said, guys, we'll be posting pictures, videos. I know Brendan posted a picture of his stick already. You guys could check that out now. But it's another awesome, awesome episode. We're going to try to get some cool guests on in the coming future. But definitely check us out. Stay tuned, and we'll catch up with you later in the week. 
The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 